Welcome to the Relief Teachers podcast brought to you by Tradewind Australia. My name's Ian McNally and this podcast is a recording from a live webinar in January 2021 with my colleagues and former principals, Billy Green and Terry Toomey. In this podcast, we'll be covering the tips and tricks of how to stand out as a relief teacher, not only to boost your career prospects, but also to improve student outcome. The webinar started with me asking Billy Green a hard opening question. Billy, as a relief teacher, it is a hard job in the respect that sometimes you can go into a school, have an excellent day, really engage with the students uh, and you finish at the end of the day everybody seems to have gone, you sign out of the school, leave your name badge, and uh, that's the end of it. Nobody sees you, nobody sees the brilliant work that you did, uh, you're invisible. How is it possible to stand out as a relief teacher? First of all is that schools are really dynamic places, they're really, really uh, busy. Compared to most workplaces, you'd almost use the word frantic for schools. There is just so much going on. There's so much, uh, even in a relatively small school of one to 200 kids, that is still a lot of people to bring together from a lot of different families. Uh, it's a lot of staff involved. There's a lot of resources involved and they do it over, you know, 200 odd days uh, every year. So schools are really dynamic places and you are looking after people who are in a lot of ways, the most vulnerable people in our society. Those That is our children. So because of that, there's a whole range of pressures on around schools that mean that sometimes you might put in a really great day of uh, being a CRT, but they are just so caught up with something else that's going on. They might have had a, uh, you, you don't know, they might have a kid rushed to hospital with a broken arm and the principals had to go. They mightn't be able to contact the parents. The office worker might have had to go home. So there's just maybe no one around. They might be a, a meeting on. You just don't know why. So I think, first of all, as a CRT, if that happens to you, I would see that as a pat on the back and a good day because, and you've got to frame your own rewards quite often in um, CRT work because quite often you're not going to get uh, really great rewards. But look at that first of all as a good day. Now, going to the bigger point about um, how you stand out, and that is one of the, the key things because whether you want to stand out in the sense that you want to be a candidate for jobs that might come up in future, or whether you want to stand out because if the school notice you, notices you, they'll invite you back more often. It is actually a good thing to go away with the reputation that you are doing well. And it may even, as Terry, I'm sure we'll talk to in a moment, you may just even form that reputation so that while a job may not come up in your school, when the principals speak um, about other jobs in the area, they might ask, first of all, have you come across anyone that could pick up that role? So standing out in terms of a concept, and I'll talk about how you do it in a minute, but standing out uh, as a, an idea, Terry, is important, isn't it? Oh, look, absolutely, Billy. And I think just hitting back on that point that was made a couple of minutes ago, I think if you're very pleased with your day, then in, in, in essence, that should be enough. Um, don't expect people to be ringing you up and telling you what a great day you had and how pleased they are with you. Because as you say, there is so many million other interactions happening within a school in a day. But rest assured that we're aware because schools know if you've had a bad day, that is for sure. And uh, we're also aware of your body of work there over time. And in a sense, Billy, I guess every day is a bit of an audition. If you're having a number of good days, and there's an unexpected vacancy that occurs, then 
uh, you'll probably be the first person that we'll look at because you're already there. And the, the one thing that we do like in schools, Billy, is a seamless transition. And if we feel like that you can fit the bill, we'd look at you first, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's so true. So standing out does, it actually does matter. Um, and it'll even matter, I would imagine, Ian, at the trade wind office that when schools get back to you with some of the feedback as they do around teachers, they will nominate those that they know are really good, won't they? Yeah, it's one of those interesting things which uh, I didn't realise that it happened to the extent it does until I joined trade wind on the staff there. We call schools all the time, every day. We're speaking to schools and asking how teachers, uh, how they went, uh, whether they enjoyed it. Schools give us feedback constantly and a good daily organizer, they are looking for those good teachers because as you know, organizing good staff in schools is difficult. It's even more difficult to get really good, reliable relief teachers. So when you get one, you want to really hang on to them. Oh, absolutely. And look, Terry's word seamless is, is is the key word there, I think. Schools are under more pressure now than they've ever been, and particularly perhaps this year going back more pressure than ever before. And that's the, the pressure is very much around getting student outcomes and results. Now, given what 2020 has been like, there's going to be an enormous rump of kids um, that have not achieved uh, as they might well have in, because of the way that 2020 un, uh, unfolded. So schools have got enormous pressure on them uh, as never before, and this was building right through my career, uh, in terms of student outcomes. And um, student outcomes are absolutely crucial to schools. So therefore, if we have got in a school a seamless transition between you know, your classroom, normal day-to-day teacher who for some reason can't be there, and we've got the opportunity to put in someone there who can keep the program going and therefore keep the learning going, then that's what schools will choose. So as Terry said, if you've got a good reputation at that school, someone's coming up for long service or they're leaving the school or whatever, you will be considered first off. And even if you're only there for, um, you only want uh, contract work for short periods of time, you will still be the first person chosen because school, the pressure to get results, as I said, in 2021, it's probably never been higher, but the pressure to get results, to keep kids engaged, to keep kids uh, on track and learning, uh, the, the better we can make that, um, the, the less problem that it becomes for the school, that's what they'll always choose, Terry. I'm sure that's going to be the case this year, isn't it? Oh, look, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the feedback, Billy, if you get if there's good student feedback and there's good feedback from your colleagues at a school, I want you back there all the time. And I've been amazed even working with Tradewind over the last few years, just the requests they get back to have the same teacher um, which, you know, I know that that sort of makes sense, but that, um, you know, in terms of continuity, but um, yeah, some schools just want teachers um, back and back and back. And that's because uh, they're such a great fit for the school. Um, and the thing is, if students like them, then the parents will be happy anyway, because they're only hearing positive things coming home. And I think if colleagues are finding them good to work with, then as you say, that transition is more seamless Uh, from, you know, the teacher is away to the one who's replacing them. On that basis, though, Terry, um, that's kind of the end point, isn't it, when you're getting called back? So, Billy, can we start, strip this down to the real basics here? You know, how do you, like, walking into that school, uh, knowing that um, it's your first day there, you've never been there before, uh, you're trying to make a good impression. I mean, before you even get to the school gate, before you even leave the house, what type of things can you do 
to ensure that you're going to be standing out? Yeah, it's absolutely crucial. The, the biggest point, Ian, and I was thinking about this over the break, is punctuality. There is absolutely no doubt about that. If you nail that for a start, you are one or two steps ahead. The other side of that is, if you get that wrong, if you turn up late or very close to starting time, no matter how good you are during the day, you are going to be starting from behind. And that's because, again, it gets back to that very first point that we made. Schools are enormously dynamic institutions, if you like. And what they can't afford, and in the morning particularly, like there's people going everywhere in the morning, and what they can't afford is the stress, the added stress of waiting around, wondering whether the teacher that they booked is actually going to turn up on time. So it's absolutely crucial that you are there on time. So there's a whole load of structures you need to put into place. There's a whole lot of routines that you need to put in place. You are dealing with kids here and you are dealing with parents and you're dealing with other staff. It is a really dynamic situation. And what daily organisers and I know bursars and principals absolutely hate is for, um, you know, parents are milling around the school, uh, rather the, the classroom, and you haven't got anyone to teach their kids until five to nine. That is a really bad look. Um, and it's, it's, it will not do you any favours. So my biggest thing is punctuality. And we'll talk about some of the structures you need to put into place to make sure that you are punctual. But Terry, that I would say that's yeah, one of the big ones. Absolutely, Billy. And I think um, as we'd appreciate the three of us, between 8.30 and nine o'clock, schools do a whole day's work. Um, the, the interactions that take place, the qualitative interactions, the amount of information that's communicated, the actual, the things that occur, expected and unexpected in relation to staff and students, uh, it's critical. You know, what it takes to get a school to start well at nine o'clock doesn't bear thinking about. So as you say, if you can get there uh, in plenty of time uh, and greet the person in the office who'll be your first point of contact and believe it or not, they may be the most important person in the school because they'll be getting the first impression of you. And even though you're not aware of it, they'll be communicating that over the phone, rightly or wrongly to other people. So if you're there in plenty of time, um, you're asking the right questions about, you know, what do I need for the day? Um, you know, my, is there a laptop? How would you like me to mark the role? If there's anything you're not sure about. Uh, and they'll, they'll also know the availability of the daily organiser or assist the principal. So if you're there in plenty of time, because they'll be managing you at the same time that they're managing parents, students and staff. Absolutely. And the other thing that on that, Ian, there's two points there. Also, it introduces that comparative thing. So if I'm sitting around waiting for Ian to turn up, but Terry's already arrived half an hour earlier, Terry gets the big tick easily by a mile. So Terry stands out, Ian also stands out, but for the wrong reason. So that if you're talking about, you know, uh, every day being an interview, you can't afford. But the other thing that's, I think, really even more crucial, I suppose, is that if you are, you're there to have a good day as a teacher and have a professional outcome, you can't do that if you turn up late. You, you turn up stress, you can't get up. The later you get, the less likelihood you're going to get a park, particularly around a primary school where parents drop their kids off these days. Um, you know, there's a lot of primary schools that don't have car parks and maybe even secondary schools as well. You, you, you know, so you're going to be driving around the block looking for a park. So you turn up at 10 to 9, you can't even park the car. So you run in in a rush. It's just a bad look. You haven't prepared any lessons. You don't know what where you're supposed to be. So you're going to get off to a bad start as well. And when you get off to a bad start, as we've said before, there's every likelihood that the kids aren't going to behave themselves. So there's it, it's an, a complicating uh, matter. 
is around punctuality. It's absolutely crucial. If there's graduates listening today, particularly, I would put that on in your checklist and priority list right up the very top. Anything else on it, Terry? Uh, no, look, I think just bear in mind that um, it's not all about you on the day, Billy. And um, you might be at a secondary school, you might be one of four or 15 different CRTs in. And uh, it's just, as you've said before, it's that ability to fit in because um, somebody will be responsible for doing a bit of a collective briefing as well as an individual one. And you only want to do that collective briefing once. So you want to be there and make sure you get the good oil, don't you? Uh, absolutely. We're all frustrated when we wait around at anything. So I want to start, I want to start, I want to start. Well, I have to start now and then someone walks in. It's frustrating. Yep. So look, the, so how do you manage that? Aim? What, what you've got to do then is make sure I think that you've got either a routine or a checklist, right? And if you, the more information you can get about the school, particularly about how long it's going to, time it's going to uh, take you to get there, what the parkland's likely to be, um, where, where the office is, these are all things that chew into your time. Who are you supposed to talk to when you get there? Uh, what questions do you need to ask when you arrive? These are things that will actually chew into your time and, and, and put you off. But also, if you get all those things right and you do them really well, and you turn up and you've got a really professional approach that you're uh, not only on time, you're probably a bit early. You ask all the right questions. You look like you've got your little bag of tricks and your <clears throat> whiteboard markers. And, you know, you're able to ask about student welfare. You're able to ask about behaviour management. You're able to ask about curriculum. It makes it look as though you are completely in control. And then that sends the message, not just to the, um, you know, the, the staff, the daily organiser, the principal, whatever, that they can be, the kids are going to be safe in your hands. And that's another great way to, uh, to stand out. And look, Bill, you can also introduce yourself, I think, if you're there early, to um, other staff around you who can be critical as the day plays out anyway. And if you let them know that, particularly if it's the first time you've worked there, um, introduce yourself, um, let them know that you're teaching on the other side of the corridor or the room next door. I think that is a really good icebreaker and uh, they'll keep an eye out for you too. Yeah. Again, it's about trying to build those relationships as quick as you can. And you can't build relationships relationships if you've got no time. So you've got to, you know, and as we've said before, if you can ask the right people the right questions, which, which is about time, uh, then you're going to have a much better day. If you have a much better day, you've turned up, you've asked the right, you've formed the relationships and the kids have a great day, that will absolutely make you stand out from the crowd. So my first thing is always around punctuality. It is so important that you're there. And apart from anything else, it's just a professional courtesy to everybody else that they're not waiting around for you. I think one point to pick up there, which you've hinted on, is just around what you bring into the school in terms of your personality in that first instance is so important. If you arrive on time, you're well-dressed, uh, your clothes are neat and tidy and clean, you look like a teacher, and you have to also empathize with the daily organizer or the business manager or the assistant principal, whoever's organizing the relief teachers. Chances are their morning has been very stressful. You don't want to go in there and add to their stress you're there to relieve their stress. That's why they've called for you. So going in and being as helpful, even though you might have had a stressful morning getting ready yourself, once you go through those school doors, you have to think, okay, I'm here to solve the problem, not cause a problem. So trying to ask, offer your help, 
offer to do extra yard duties, that goes a long way. No one likes doing yard duty, really, but it can certainly put you in good books uh, for future shifts, etc. And just be as amenable as possible in your um, demeanor. I think that really, really helps. And, and you can really help yourself stand out in the first two or three minutes, can't you? That's a reality, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's all that is all attitudinal, Ian. I mean, if you're going to take on the role as a CRT, uh, and let's we've always conceded that it is a difficult job. There's no doubt about that. But the trade-off is there are a lot of things that you don't have to do. You don't have to attend meetings. You don't have to write reports. You don't have to be in schools for long periods of time that you may not like. You may have to uh, um, cope with behavioural management issues, but you don't have to cope with them long-term. Quite often when you think of behaviour management, you think, oh, God, that kid... Well, that kid, for example, for their classroom teacher might be for 200 days a year. And, that, and that's hard work. So you're not having to deal with those issues. And I'm not, don't um, get me wrong here. It is hard work. But the trade-off for that is I think that you have to go in with that mindset of I'm here to help this school out today and to solve the problem. If you go in with them being a bit silly, but if you go in with the attitude of a quarantine tennis player at the Australian Open, that, you know, and demanding more and more each time, that's probably not going to work. You've got to go in with, I'm here to help you out. What can I do? Now, that's attitudinal. Uh, you know, the schools typically won't ask you to do more than you can. They will ask you to do quite a lot of yard duty, unfortunately, but there's only so much they can ask you to do. But if you go in with the attitude of, all right, what, what can I do? How can I help? How can I do this the best possible way? That will also help you out and it'll help the school out and it'll give you a better day for sure. Yeah, you make some great points. And I think Billy, um, putting my principal hat on, I reckon the last thing we need in the school is somebody else who's high maintenance. We've probably got enough of those people there anyway. So I think, yeah, what I had said before, if you could come in and look like you're there to help, because if you're high maintenance, uh, chances are there won't be a lot of work at my school for you. No, and I think helping also means, you know, you don't have to be uh, helping slash annoying, which, um, for example, some parents might be, they say, I want to help you out today. And what I'll give, they've got to find a task for you, you know, and it, that's actually harder work. You know, God, I've got to do something with them. But, you know, uh, judiciously and diplomatically seeing an issue or suggesting, look, I, I can take those if you like. Uh, do you want a hand with this? I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, particularly if you're working in an open classroom, work, don't, don't take over and take control of everything. Let the, let the normal procedures unfold. But if you can see a chance to get in and help somebody out, Definitely do that. And I think the other thing that's really important is be prepared to ask questions. No one likes to turn up into situations and not know what they're doing. But I think if we can see from the start that we don't know everything about that school or those kids and we ask the right questions, that is actually being helpful and flexible. Just added to that as well, just a simple thing you know as a relief teacher you're going to get a yard duty, maybe two. But by asking for it up front, you're showing willingness, but also... Don't be afraid to ask some questions that a daily organizer might be a bit run off their feet in the morning, but you actually help them out. You know, where, where should I leave the, the marked work or where should I, where's the, where's the staff toilets, those type of things that they might just forget or skip over. They'll be grateful that you're asking those questions because they don't want to be hassled also later in the day, kind of playing catch up. So it is a really important time in terms of, um, that on that note the questions to ask 
uh, it's a bit of a tricky balance, isn't it? Because I think you don't want to ask too many questions to appear needy, but you also want to cover off all of the bases for you to be able to have a good day and show that you're interested and proficient at your role. How do you strike that balance? It's a bit of a tricky, tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, I think what you've got to do is is uh, listen and observe. So if the daily organizer knows that they're across, you know, pretty much can they're across what they're doing, or the um, the bursa, whoever it is, uh, gives you a CRT folder, uh, gives you your, your timetable, gives you a note or something where you yeah, and if they look to be totally across all of those things you can probably assume that in the CRT folder, there will be everything. So you don't want to start asking questions about stuff that the bursar or the vice principal's gone and put together because that will get their nose out of joint a little bit. But you can just ask some simple questions around student well-being, around health issues and around behaviour if necessary. Would that be the same in a secondary term? Yeah, look, Billy, that's right. So, And also, um, it's why it's so important to be early, as you mentioned before, because then... When you are given something, you've got the time to read it and digest it, take it on board and, and, and understand it. And then you won't have to ask about it uh, again during the day when, you know, if you had been there a bit earlier, um, you could have gone over it yourself. So I think, yeah, spot on. The other thing, Ian, is, um, and I don't want to have a go at schools here, although some schools I've seen their CRT folder is full of their policies and all sorts of stuff and you think, oh my god who would ever read this you know it can run to 20 pages yeah. some of the stuff so you've also got to know what to look for so as a again mate get yourself a checklist your job there is to teach but to teach well you need to understand what the program is for the day and what you're going to do the sorts of lessons you're going to teach whether that's primary and or secondary and the other one you need to know is around student well-being, uh, classroom management and behaviour. They're the main ones that you need to know. So look for those first, you know, timetabling and just even things in a primary school. If you're going to take the kids to art or if the kids go to art after recess, just check in with the person next to you. Do the kids come to the room first and I take them over or do they line up at the art room door? Because if you get those things wrong, um, you will stand out for the wrong reason. So if the kids are, are told to go to their classroom and uh, Billy will normally walk you over to the art room and the kids turn up the classroom and you've assumed that there are art and you're still in the staff room. That's a terribly bad look. So you've got to be across all of those things. What are the structures that the school's got in place and try to follow them as well as you can. And what do you think um, regarding flexibility? Often we are very comfort driven in our lives that we want to, you know, teach and, and exist in our comfort zone Often, you know, we might go into a situation where at a school where they might just set us aside at the reception area and say, we don't know what you're teaching yet. Uh, just wait for 10 minutes. It certainly happened to me. Um, or they give you a plan of the day, you read through it, and then they say, hang on, I've got to swap that. You're actually teaching grade six, not grade two. Uh, and that can happen at a moment's notice what's the guidance on that because that's not a very nice thing to happen to you at the start it's not a very good start for your day if a school uh, does that to you or also interrupts your day maybe you know you might be teaching prep all morning and then they come in and say oh well actually you're going to teach grade five this afternoon um, how should we approach that in terms of mindset 
that could happen because you know what goes on at schools unfortunately we can't script it as well as we'd like to every day i think billy's got a saying you know expect the unexpected and you'll never be disappointed and i think that's that's true um yeah look um ideally if it's the first day in a school and it plays out the way you know you've just indicated um not a great start but also bear in mind that you are really helping schools out in that situation and they will be aware of and appreciate the fact that they've had to make changes at the last minute or you haven't had much if any notice in terms of what you're doing and will provide more support but I think it gives you something in the bank there and if you can operate well in that situation for a school then I think that they will be bearing that in mind in terms of um, wanting you back or even considering you for a position if something pops up. Yeah, I think what you've got to do, Ian, is look, unless you're going to put yourself in a situation where you might feel uh, there's a health and safety issue, and sometimes that may come up. I know in science classes, they, for example, don't want CRTs to use Bunsen burners and things, but even in phys ed, uh, phys ed classes in primary school, that would be the only times where you would, uh, you might just, highlight without whinging but i think always do things with good grace you know for example if um someone said to me right I'd, unfortunately we're gonna have to pop you into music for the afternoon you know i might um laugh and say oh music oh well i'll give that a go I'd, let's have a crack at it and i think that's the attitude that you've got to take and always remember as we keep coming back to you have got a body of uh skills there that you can draw on now whether you are teaching music or whether you're teaching science you know, learning is learning. You know, we start with the, the least difficult and we move through to more difficult tasks. You, you always engage with the kids. You still build relationships, find out what they're doing, what they've been doing. And if, you know, if, if it's something really complex and you can't do it, you can re-imagine uh, it in, into your strength. So one of the things that I picked up when I was doing some research around uh, some CRT work in uh, secondary schools was that if you were an English teacher or humanities-based sort of teacher and you were thrown into a science class, you just, it was completely out of your depth, you can actually bring your English teaching skills to science, bring up the topic in the, in the way that you can teach it. So I think you can do those things with good grace, but again, it gets back to a little bit of preparation. What are you good at? What are your skills? Uh, how could you apply them in a whole range of different ways? Terry, what would you do, for example, if... Um, with your background in the humanities, I guess, in politics and science, how would you, you know, if they threw you into a year 10 science class, how would you go about? Yeah, look for a bit of a hook, Billy, um, in, in terms of um, getting the kids to explain what it is they were doing. Um, I'd be looking, was there something in there that's of general interest or controversy that we could get a bit of a discussion, yeah. you know, going about where you've got different kids giving different viewpoints and, you know, a bit of evaluation and, and that sort of thing going on because, you know, obviously I'll be useless in terms of doing anything in a practical sense and the school wouldn't expect me to. So, you know, I'll be trying to, you know, use my communication skills, I think, to advantage in terms of getting the kids to talk about what it is that they have been doing. You know, you're smart enough as a teacher to direct those conversations and those communication uh, tasks in a certain way. So the kids think it's just talking, but there's a lot of thinking going on. So you can actually 
uh, make the most of those situations. I think at this stage as well, it's important to um, highlight the role that Tradewind plays. Tradewinds play an important role in terms of the expectations. You know, if you go to a school and the CRT provision or the booklet isn't sufficient or it's too big or too small or not very useful, give us a call, tell us about your experience. We work with the schools who have a good relationship with the schools. We can work through those problems. If there's anything that you think that teachers should be made aware of, for example, it might be that there's a car park at the back of the school or all day street parking that could be put on the note, notification on the app. Uh, all those bits of information, let us know because um, we know our schools well, uh, we know our teachers well, but we don't always know the little um, nuances in every school that we work with across Melbourne. So those little things can really help out. And also, tell us about your experience from the day. I think this is an important one as well, which uh, Terry, you might be able to speak to, which is if you have a bad experience at a school, there is a temptation to go into the staff room at lunchtime and tell everybody what a terrible time you've just had period four uh, and what uh, terrible children are in this school and things like that you shouldn't do that should you <laughs> no it's uh, not record not recommended at all and i mean i think you'd be you'd be better off forming some sort of good professional relationships with other people that you're working with and asking them how they handle this student or that you know what works with with that particular class what works with these kids look you know save your sounding off for when you get home if while you're at school um, try and maximize, maximize the opportunity to learn about the students that you're working with. Because if you have had a terrible time with a class, that may be because of something that you've done that you can learn from. Um, it maybe had nothing to do with you. So sometimes it's just good quietly, if there's someone there that you know, um, maybe to you know um, debrief uh, over time. But but sounding off, um, I mean, I think you just sort of you know, big noting for no reason and the school wouldn't be keen to get you back. Picking up that point for a start, going in and saying to the teachers uh, that the kids' behaviour isn't the best <laughs> is like, well, yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, I've got them for 200 days. Yeah, great. I, we already know that. That's really helpful. So that's not going to help, you know, um, stand out at all. But what you might want to do is just consider you've got to build relationships with staff, whether you work as a CRT or you work in, in a school permanently. And if you're a... If you go in and you, um, uh, you're either critical of the school or you're uh, difficult to talk to or you, you, know, you have a cup of coffee, probably a bit different in COVID times anyway, but if you, you, know, you have your lunch and you leave stuff lying around everywhere and you make a mess or you make a mess of the, the, the classroom that you're in, that does not uh, endear you to the staff at all. So you've got to be really diplomatic and you've got to be really, you don't want to go in there and start yapping and you know chewing everyone's ear off but also you know if if you sit near someone introduce yourself um again listen uh, observe if it's a really quiet staff room that's fine you might just have a quiet word to the person next to you um so you've got to try to judge the situation don't overplay your hand but then don't be rude don't be standoffish um don't get stuck in the staff room for too long i mean if you know you've got a class coming up straight after lunch don't be the one that's in there last never never a good look if you're the last to leave the staff room so there are all these sorts of little nuanced behaviors if you like that uh, will set you up to be having and being regarded as a really successful person that they want back 
Um, or there may be things that you make a mistake in and think, well, we don't want that one back again. Because, you know, if you pull out, you know, even in the classroom, I mean, you know, um, don't come across a, a packet of unopened materials and think, oh, this, this paper will be good for a task and <laughs> rip it all open. You know, the, the teacher was saving that for their Christmas special at the end of the year. So you've just got to be really careful about all those sorts of things about how you relate and you just need to be a bit diplomatic about it. The analogy that I found really useful when I was relief teaching just to that point was treat the school like you're going into somebody's house that you kind of you you want to make yourself feel at home and comfortable but you're not going to just open the fridge and start you know helping yourself to everything and going through the drawers and the cupboards you you kind of have to tread softly um you you go gently uh, and you also want to leave the place as it was or better than what you found it when you arrived so you know taking all of your resources not leaving a mess and on that point as well about invisibility what are some of the things that teachers can do relief teachers to make themselves visible um, maybe even you know after school or the day after when they're not in the school what type of things can they leave for the teacher uh, that would be really almost like a calling card that would stand them in good stead for being booked again. Handover notes are absolutely crucial. As we've said right at the very start, you know, the seamless transition from one teacher to another, no one wants their teachers, their class, the kids don't want their classroom teachers away. The parents absolutely don't want the classroom teachers away and nor do, you know, the, the other colleagues. So when it does happen and it has to happen because that's just the nature of, you know, people have other things on or illnesses or, bereavements, whatever, but the more seamless that you can make that transition. So the more that you can address the ongoing curriculum, the ongoing needs of the students, the ongoing uh, protocols around the school, the better. And one of the best ways to do that is to leave uh, not overly detailed, but certainly comprehensive um, handover notes at the end of the day, where you talk about what you were able to achieve with what was left, or if nothing was what was left, what you did in place of it. Uh, how the kids reacted to it, if there are any behaviour issues, just anything that came up on the day so that the teacher can walk in and quickly have a look and think, right, oh, good, okay, they did that, that's fantastic. I can pick up on that and we can keep going. Whereas if you just walk out, they've got to come in, they don't know where the stuff is, uh, they've got to ask the kids what happened. Oh, no, we didn't. Yes, we did. Um, so, yeah, I, I think handover notes... Uh, if you do them really well and really professionally, that definitely helps your case, Terry, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, absolutely, Billy. And I think thank the, um, you know, you like this too, um, the thank you goes a long way. If the teacher's got the uh, trouble of, you know, leaving some really high quality work uh, there for you to deliver, um, thank them for that. They'll, they will actually appreciate it and they'll make sure that they do that in, in the future if you're taking the class. But also if they've left some work there that you've not been able to get through with the kids for a whole range of reasons, just put that in the little explainers that you leave in the handover notes. So I think that is really important because sometimes, you know, to see a CRT organisation like trade, when we get feedback that, you know, teacher um, problem was, well, the kids didn't do the work or they didn't finish the work or they didn't do much of the work or whatever. And if that's the case and there are reasons for that, then um, if you just include them in the handover notes, um, I, th I think that's well worthwhile. You definitely don't want to come back in and find that you've gone to the trouble of preparing quite a lot of work. And the hand over, oh, didn't get around to cover this, but up on the wall, you've done finger painting. 
And then, well, why did they do that? And I've left all this work and they went and chose, you know, so, you know, you've got to be professional about it. You know, at the end of the day, if you're not coming in the next day and you've gone to the trouble of staying back an extra half hour or an hour to prepare stuff, I would expect that it was done. And if it wasn't done, that at least it was attempted or part of it was done and then it was explained. I don't want to come in and find that an alternative day was organised. That said, Ian, and we'll get back to you, we'll get to your question in a minute, but um, we'll also talk in a minute about what you should have up your sleeve in case nothing's left for you. Just on that note, in, in terms of leaving handover notes, for relief teachers, I found it a really important and clever strategy to use to be writing those handover notes whilst you're in the classroom with the students because it also created a sense of accountability and also marking work as you walk around the classroom. The, you know, there's that old saying about a, a teacher on their feet is worth two in a seat. And being active and engaged, walking around the classroom, marking work, that's a really positive sign to students that you're taking notice there's accountability, but also if there's any students having any issues or any problems, you can say, I'll leave a note for your teacher. I'll write that down. You know, helps with behavior management as well, but it also creates that link between you and their regular teacher. So I think that's a really important um, point to pick on. Ian, look, there's two absolute no-nos, I think, for CRTs, and some people may not like this, but one is your mobile phone. Is now even used in the best of places uh, for the rightest of reasons. Rightest is a word. Um, is fraught. You know, you've only got to have the wrong person walk past. You know, the parent or a grumpy teacher or someone walks past and sees you on your phone. You might be doing the right thing, but that that is that's it's really difficult to explain that. And the other one is sitting at your seat for long periods of time. Sitting at your seat, obviously, if you're reading to the kids, or obviously, you know, like. And the kids are up there talking about their work, how you manage it, that's fine. But if you're just sitting in your seat, um, staring out the window or we're still staring at your phone and um, the kids are all sitting there, you know, working away, that's a disaster. You, you don't know the kids that well. So therefore, it, you really should be forming relationships. And the best way to form them is via the work, if you like. So you should be giving them feedback on what they're doing. Can you help? Circulating. Sitting at your seat for a long period of time is is and not a, not a good look, Terry. Oh, look, a, absolutely, uh, Billy, and uh, everyone spots that uh, in in a school. Like okay. you know, I think we uh, people are experienced. Look, there are always people walking around. I mean, if, certainly, if we had a if we had days at my school where we have a whole range of CRTs, in one of the best ways to support them is to have people out there. Um, making sure they've got a strong presence so kids can see that the CRTs are being supported by other people. But also uh, we will be picking up all that sort of intel that you're mentioning and discussing it later on in terms of, you know, the value of that CRT to the school. Yeah, I remember I worked at a school with a relief teacher who'd worked there regularly and the principal came in the staff room one day and, and said to the daily organiser, we don't want that teacher back because I've just walked past her classroom and she was on her phone. And I, I argued with him and said that this was quite unfair because she'd been a great teacher uh, up to that point. And chances are she didn't use a phone all the time because she was engaged with the students. But he drew a line and said, no, I'm, I'm not willing to. Um, that was a deal breaker. So it does go to show how important just the perception 
of you know being on your phone or not being engaged with the students is um and also just moving around the classroom it gives you a chance to get a sense of the students it gives you a chance to comment on praise their work i think one thing i found really effective is walking over because this is also standing out to the students as well not just how you stand out to senior leadership although that helps your career prospects but standing out to the students they will tell their teacher the next day if they felt cared for if they felt engaged all of those type of things but going over to a uh, you know somebody who sat at the back of the classroom and holding their piece of work up to the rest of the class and saying what a brilliant example this is sets a precedent for you know what the expectation is amongst the students um, and it's a really good kind of cue to everybody that you are taking notice you are engaged in what they're doing and you care about the quality of work that they're doing um, just before we were coming to a close of this webinar the time has flown by um, there's a couple of I'll tell you a little story about one thing I did when I started relief teaching which to I don't know if I did this consciously to stand out, but it worked, uh, which was I would turn up to schools. Um, being a male primary school teacher, I think that made me stand out anyway because there's so statistically so few men in primary. But I used to carry a guitar with me, a guitar case. Um, I almost never played it. <laughs> so I just used to carry it around and I didn't think it had an effect until one day I got a call from the agency in the UK and they said um they said do you have a guitar and I said yes and they said oh well the school wants you back <laughs> so they'd obviously said oh that guy we had three weeks ago he had a guitar even though I never played it so um maybe things like that maybe uh that's possibly not the right way to go about things but it certainly did make me stand out um which was which was quite nice and beneficial for me well apart from anything else you can always put your lunch in there <laughs> yeah it's just full of shredded newspaper well, the other thing that makes you stand out as a crt and we absolutely embrace these sorts of crts because occasionally things terry and you would all all of our listeners would know watchers whatever you call viewers things just get out of hand and someone's gone home in a rush or someone has rung in early. Uh, the kid's sick. They can't come to school. You've turned up unavoidably at 10 past nine um, to take the day and they'll be happy to see you, but there's been no work left. So one of the, the things that will really endear you to a school is if you've got uh, strategies and a capacity and an attitude to take on board that situation. So I think for all CRTs, and particularly if you've got younger um, graduates today, have some strategies and tricks, if you like, up your sleeve about how you will um, uh, approach that. So you might walk into the room, and Terry, this is slightly different in high school, but uh, in a primary situation, you might walk in and quickly look around the room, uh, quickly see what the kids are doing. You know, hopefully the, the teacher at the school will give you a bit more, but you can just pick up from walking in and even having a quick look and a chat to the kids about what's what they're doing and then think, right, that's my launching point. I've got some strategies up my sleeve. I've got a task that's going to get them underway for the next three to 20 to 30 minutes, and that'll give me a chance to catch my breath and find out what we're going to do for the rest of the day. So it's really important that you've got something that's going to usefully um, manage the kids productively for the next 20 minutes. And so you're actually teaching, you've got a presence, you take the role, right, we're going to do this, I'm going to get you started on this, and that gives you time to catch your breath and get started. Is there a similar sort of thing that you would need to do in a secondary situation? Yeah, look, 
I think definitely, Billy. Um, and I think at some stage, you know, we all need that little survival lesson that we, um, we may, may or may uh, never need it, but it's, it's, it's sort of there. Um, and you expect that at least for part of any day that you go into a school, you might actually be covering a class for part of the time that no one's given you anything for because that absence was completely unexpected. Um, might be um, a teacher's had to go home unexpectedly. Uh, there's a kid injured or ill that someone's had to take care of. There's a whole range of scenarios. And basically, we just need to put someone who's warm and vertical in a classroom uh, to manage the kids as best they can while we deal with that sort of situation. So if you've got something that can be rolled out, um, just in a general sense, that will give you some breathing space in, in terms of what you can do with the kids. I know you're huge on games um, and, you know, they're absolutely fantastic. You've got to have the personality and the skills to pull those off. You know, I think in a secondary setting, if, that, if that's occurred, then we will also uh, get another teacher to come around and check on you and the daily organiser or assistant principal would come around with some work to support the class. But just bear in mind that you might be thrown in there any class for 10 or 20 minutes, um, you know, while, while we're working out what's going on behind the curtain. Yeah. And Ian, it can even be just something in a, you know, a primary setting. If you take in the con, say you walk in late and you just say to the kids, I'm sorry, your teachers had to call in. Um, I've, uh, I'm going to take over for the day. Wow. It's a bit hard being late. And you just build something on the word late. Who's ever been late for something? You know, let's talk about how that might make you feel. What might be the cause of that? Um, how could you, what, what would be a bad outcome from that? How could you apologise? Can anyone think of a story about that? You might then model something on the board for them and say, right, all right, that's great. That's my thing about late. I want you guys to have a go at that now. Or then choose another concept if you like. Um, or let's swap that around. Have a think about early and get them to start doing something like that. That will just give you a bit of time to catch your breath. They're doing something, you can pull them back together. It's a pretty controlled sort of activity. You can probably get it over and done within 30 minutes. It gives you the chance to go around and see what some kids say, wow, look what Ian's done. He's done early, he's come up with so many ideas. That is fantastic. What's something that you can't do early or, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you just get started and teachers um, and other, rather other staff and the school will be forever grateful if you can walk in and just take control as opposed to going in and saying, oh, well, there's been nothing left. What am I supposed to do? That's a black mark. Yeah, and look, um, the thing I used to do, Billy, when I was teaching was I used to throw it back on the students and just say to them, well, look, in, um, in two minutes' time, I'm going to get um, 15 of you just to talk for 30 seconds about this. Then all of a sudden the pressure's off me and they've got to start thinking about what it is that they're going to say. And then when they start to talk, then... Um, that creates another dy dynamic that you can build the next part of the lesson off anyway. Yeah. So whatever it is, you've got to have your little tricks up your sleeve. You've got to be forever flexible and you've got to be positive. You've got to go in and think, all right, well, this isn't ideal, but let's make the most of it. I'm going to get to learn a little bit about the kids now. Um, you know, you can have whatever suits you best. We're not prescribing anything. But, but, but it's attitudinal. Do something that you like, that's engaging, that you get to know the kids a little bit. It gives you a bit of time to catch your breath. And then once you get going, you're up and you're underway, as opposed to going in. You don't want to go in, never go in and um, start, you know, flicking through papers at the front of the room, looking for something to do. And the kids are running right for 10 minutes. You might as well not turned up. Yeah, and I think also giving structure to different tasks. If it's if you want them to do some drawing, we'll give them a little bit of guidance on that, what you want to see, what the expectations are, 
um, you know, make sure you make it clear so that it's not just busy work. It should be focused and it should be an interesting and engaging task. Uh, we just had a quick question here from uh, Leon just about what the most common learning management systems that schools use. Obviously, as graduates and relief teachers, I think uh, generally you can't be across all of the different online systems that schools use. The most common one is Compass. I'll put the link to Compass in the chat if you'd like to have a look at that. That is the most common. There are also other ones, Sector and so on, but um, Schoolbox and things like that. But sometimes schools don't give you the login. Sometimes you'll have a guest login. I don't think you need to dedicate too much time uh, to learning them because they are fairly intuitive. Um, they've based upon kind of social media principles as well where you can um, navigate around um, but just a, a question to finish on thanks for that question Leon but just a question in terms of uh, you Terry um, who are the most important people to make an impression on who are the critical and key people as a relief teacher that I need to um, make a positive impression on apart from the students uh, to make sure that I get asked back at a school and that I've made a good impression. Believe it or not, your first point of contact is going to be the office people that I mentioned earlier on. So the better that starts, uh, I think the better for you in terms of how you work at the school because, you know, um, they're under enormous pressure early in the day when you come in and there's nothing they won't know. You know, they are the gatekeepers um, and the better you get on with them, the, the easier it will be for you. So point one um, I, I try and make the day start well with a positive interaction with the office people, get to know their names, use the names when you come back to the school. I think the daily organiser, because that, that, all the feedback will go to them. You know, you might work with curriculum managers and, and um, you know, level coordinators and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, that's great. But the feedback actually in a secondary schools goes to the daily organiser because they are the person that oversees the bookings. So uh, rest assured, if people are happy or unhappy, they'll be communicating with that daily organiser. So I think they're the person that you really want to impress. Um, yeah. Yeah, in the secondary, or rather in the primary environment, fully agree with the office people. The next people probably, you, you may have something to do with the assistant principal and the principal, not guaranteed, but possibly. The next ones are your colleagues and particularly the team leader in that area in a primary school. So if you are working in a, in a, in a say a four or five team, uh, teacher team, and there's, um, and you get on well with that staff, particularly the team leader, you show initiative, you take control of the class, you ask the right questions, that person will then think, we want them back. Thank you, gentlemen. Hopefully uh, our relief teachers who attended uh, this session will be standing out like bright beacons when they go into schools in term one. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks Billy. Then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Relief Teachers podcast brought to you by Tradewind Australia. Please do share this podcast with anybody who you think might find it useful and do refer to the show notes to record it as part of your professional development hours if you need any help or support as a relief teacher please get in touch with us at tradewind through our website or call us on 1800 192 195 thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time for another episode of australia's leading relief teaching podcast